Brandon welcoming you to the Prairie Doc radio program. Rick Homer, Prairie Doc, is right here ready to answer your questions of a medical nature. Dr. Holmes' specialty is internal medicine. He's worked with the Avira Medical Group Brookings. He survived. Uh, he survived. He served. I said survived. <laughs> he survived as a clinical professor at the University of South Dakota Sanford School of Medicine. He's just been a busy, busy man. How you doing, Rick? I'm doing great. Well, good. Everything going well? Going well. Feeling good. This is, a, you know, and of course, uh, when you're talking about medicine for cancer, trying to, to clean up a little microscopic spread of cancer and trying to give yourself a chance of survival. Now, before you go any further, there are people that may have tuned in and have no idea what you're talking about. Our own Dr. Rick Holm has, has dealt with cancer for the past year. He's gone through 19 treatments. months. 19 months, my goodness. Diagnosis of pancreatic cancer okay. usually doesn't make 19 months, so I feel pretty good. Well, you're always the exception, cancer. you know that. So uh, you've done really well, and then you had a little microscopic something show up, so they've started a new chemo routine, a right? A new kind of chemo, so I'm taking chemo three out of four weeks. So the last week where they skipped the fourth week is this week. Yay, you're skipping. Gotta so love it. So I'm, you know, I'm... Uh, I'm feeling good this week, and, uh, you know, I really don't feel bad the other weeks. This is a lot better chemo than that first round of stuff that I was taking. So, um, and life is good, except it takes your hair out. So, I, <laughs> I'm <laughs> yeah, looking I'm in like here with Bob. the two bald bobs, right? <laughs> bald Rick and bald Bob. Bob, Bob. Yeah. Well, it's it's a sexy look these days. You oh, know? yeah. Well, yeah. I, you look on television, a lot of these guys are going bald. Yeah. 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 So you're so, in. So all is doing well mm-hmm. for you. Glad to hear it. Hey, you know, we did have a question come in just before the program began, and possibly we could answer that before we go to our first break. Okay, How about let's go that? For it. The question is the new shingles shot is out. Is it necessary to get if you've already had a, a previous shingles shot? I said that very carefully. Right, a shingles shot. Shingles shot. It's. Um, well, I think the uh, the answer it depends upon when you had your first shingle shot. If you had your first shingle shot after 65, will Medicare pay for it or not? And that will tell you whether you want the $250 or more test uh, uh, shot um, in follow-up. If they won't pay for it, then then you can pay for it, and it won't hurt to take a second one. Uh, I think the the um, the new shingle shot is a uh, revised version, you know. And to be honest with you, I haven't been uh, messing with that uh, and don't know the most about it. So I'm going to beg ignorance and say, but what you really ought to do is talk to your doctor about it. Good idea. You have a primary care. If you're over 65, you know you have somebody who's looking out for you medically. Check with them and see what they think of the shingle shot and if you need a new one. On that note, we're going to take our first break. Any other questions you might have, give us a call at 692-1430, and we'll be back. Are we on the air and laughing our heads off? Okay, welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. It's kind of fun to talk behind the camera. I mean, of course, the mic is always live, right? Didn't Dr. Um, the president? I hope I turned it off. I hope you did, too. All right. We we are just fine. We just mispronounced one or two words. And you can imagine after saying shingles shot what we may have mispronounced. That's what they were laughing at. It's all part of the joy of real life and and the the fun things that can happen to people gotta laugh 
Life will not be good unless you're laughing. All good. Hey, talking about a good life, Dr. Holm does a weekly TV program, and it's on tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. And tomorrow night, he is going to have a local physician, a young man who grew up right here in Brookings, South Dakota, Pat Moriarty. Yes. And he moved back to Brookings, I'd say, last year, and it's probably 10 years ago. No. I don't know how long ago. Well, last year. All right, we'll say last year. And he is a... um, Orthopedic, orthopedic surgeon. surgeon and it's so good to have him right here in Brookings and we and have another one with him so two new orthopedic surgeons at the clinic is you know, Matthew John, Blake or is that no that, that's no, who's going to be on the show that's different right. so you have two orthopedic surgeons at the clinic who's the other one I, I, oh I'm sorry I shouldn't I, have asked you shouldn't have asked because I, I'm blocking you, on his name except all reports say he's just a well we friendly gentleman great guy to get along well that is Myers great. yes that's what it is and Dr. so, did Myers. you uh, have you had a chance to uh, meet him, Bob? You have uh, <laughs> Bob no. has an elbow problem. Yeah. <laughs> no, so um, you know. Uh, but knowing that Dr. Moriarty is going to be on the program, the program will be about the broken hip and other general orthopedic issues. Right. Uh, hips are a big concern for a lot of people after the age of sixty or sixty-five. You're so fearful of falling and breaking a hip, or maybe just arthritis causes your hip to have to be replaced it's a fearful thing but in the past i'd say 10 years ago so it's less fearful i mean you don't want it to happen but if it does the surgery is remarkable now what surgery have you had i have had (laughs) both a hip and a knee i actually had one tsa guy burst out laughing (laughs) i said um a TSA uh, guy uh, at the airport. Yeah, TSA at the airport. I went through. I said, "Well, I've got a uh, artificial hip and an artificial knee." And he said, "Really?" I, just, I said, "Well, am I the only one?" He said, "Well, you poor thing." Okay. <laughs> just, <laughs> but I, I've been very happy with both surgeries. They yes. and they've helped greatly. On the greatly. same side? No, one on the right, one on the left. So, and the <laughs> hip problem was from just arthritis. I believe my whole family. I'm one of seven kids and five out of the seven have already had at least one hip replaced my mother had a hip replaced think it might be somewhat genetic yeah the knees i blame on shoes i had a shoe store for 20 years and believe me i used up my knees in those 20 years when you were down on your knees down on my knees and those the little darlings coming at you you know you had to kind of chase them about the room so (laughs) i know that the uh the knees i can blame on the shoe store but the the hip has to be something inherited but the most common hip surgery is not from arthritis or an inherited, you know, and you might have had one of these uh, inherited hip problems uh, that were subclinical when right. you were a kid. And then you result in trauma to a hip. And we just, never knew that no, many years ago. No. Right. But the question about a fractured hip is another story. And, you know, it's interesting. People who are functioning well, doing well, no problem, living at home, da-da-da, in their 80s and they fall and break a hip, uh, you know, there is a large percentage of those people who die from the trauma and the clotting and the surgery and the stress of a hip surgery. Then you get done with the hip surgery and you get them moving and you get them going and uh, there are a percentage of those people, a large percentage, even if they were perfectly well before they fell and broke the hip, that end up living the rest of their lives in a long-term t- uh, care pr- facility. So it's it, not a good thing for it, you. It, it can be terribly devastating for a person. <clears throat> so you just want to do everything you can to prevent falling. So let's talk about falling a little bit first. 
And I thought you were going to come back with a question. Right well, now. talk about falling. You have to be careful around the home. I know that. You don't want to have uh, rugs that are loose and things like that. You right. So if, it, if you go through a home and look at the risk factors, and of course, there's a whole, f the, the occupational therapy people, that's their whole bailiwick. They want to do a home safety thing before anybody with a hip fracture goes home. Make that sure. makes sense. What it do really they look does. for? They look at bars, that uh, hand bars and hand grips and things around the bathroom, the, the toilet, the shower, and the, um, the uh, tub. Uh, they need to have good lighting uh, in hallways and in the ways to get to the bathroom. They want loose rugs out of there. Uh, they want to see what kind of shoe uh, where people wear at night, you know, slippers. What kind of slippers do people Are wear? Are they slippery slippers? You yes. don't want those. You want one with a good sole on yes. it, right? But sometimes you don't want it too good of a sole, too. There's a, there is a, a lot said about the kinds of, of uh, soles that you wear. Uh, sometimes they're too good and they stop you too quickly. They grip and, and then you fall. And then okay. you fall. Uh, but if you have uh, handrails, down the hallways, or if you have handrails going up steps, or if you have less steps, uh, or if you have, um, you know, everything that you can do to make your home ready for a disabled person to visit, for example, would be perfect in preparing your home for when you might be disabled, um, but particularly in the concern about falling. And adequate lighting at night is one of those things. If you put a red light on, by the way, you don't lose your night vision. Uh, night vision is lost by red. We can talk to Bob about this because this is one of those who would know anything about this odd bit of thing than, but Bob. So Why you know would about, he know about night vision? Well, he knows everything. Oh, that's he? true. He no, does. I haven't ventured into any red light districts with that oh. what you're talking about. <laughs> no, I'm talking about the fact that um, in people during war will wear red uh, goggles or will have red lights illuminating things so that uh, they don't their their pupils don't constrict it allows the pupils to be dilated so that you can look out into the night and see the approaching warriors you know what I mean that type of a thing so if your night light is a red light it benefits you because then you won't uh, then you won't when the when you go b into the dark room where your bed is you can still see from the ambient light from the window or whatever it might be. And so, uh, and the dim light of the space. Um, uh, th there are lots of ways to prepare your home for preventing falling. But if you're going to prevent your body from preventing falling, you need to kind of do that all your life. And uh, the best way to keep your bones strong by far way more important is wait a minute wait a minute i'll bet bob and i know the answer what do you think what do you think <laughs> three two, two one exercise <laughs> would that be the answer oh it is oh truly how did truly. you know yeah. oh. so i mean you think about it. if you look on a x-ray of a bone and you'll see the lines in the bone you can see the lines going up the 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 legs up through the hip, and then you can see the same lines that extend themselves into the pelvis in the same direction uh, because they are called stress lines and they are made by the stress of moving and exercising. And bones get rapidly 
uh, soft when if you go into space and you have no gravity to give you stress to make your bone keep your bones strong but also um, they it happens if you just sit on that couch and you don't get moving so uh, preparing for uh, the potential of falling it has a lot to do with walking because that not only prepares you for keeping your mu muscles strong but it also gives you bones bone strength it also gives you a balance uh, practice that's going on all the time and it also helps you stretch although you could do more stretching you could do more balance exercises you can do more hopping and bone strengthening um, but walking really does put a it's lot huge. of that together it's a yeah. huge thing it huge. is really important well on that note we're going to take our next break and it is important for people to think about ways to avoid falls as you get older and you have to start when you're younger Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. We're happy to have you listening today. We began the program by talking about the TV program that Dr. Holm will host tomorrow evening, and he will have as his guest a local physician, Dr. Pat Moriarty, and they'll be talking about orthopedic issues. And, and we have another uh, Dr. Blake. Blake, who is different than uh, Blake from one orthopedic group. This is the Blake from the uh, Avera orthopedic group. Okay. And a uh, brand new guy, uh, hand, shoulder, I mean elbow, shoulder expert uh, with training in that region. <clears throat> Both of these uh, docs are, uh, are easy uh, to, to know how to fix a hip. And, you know, it used to be that when a person broke a hip, you would lay them in the bed and you would stretch, put them on a, um, a, a, a weight that would hang over the end of the bed over a pulley and it would pull the leg out and allow uh, the callus to form correctly, the bones to align as well as they can, and then the callus to develop, uh, the callus meaning the cartilage between the two broken edges. It gets really sticky about a week or two afterwards and then it sticks and then the callus expands and then the callus turns into bone and then it remodels over the years but the 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 um, you put them in a you put a person in a stretchy device like that and wait for the callus to form and wait for it to get to a point where you can walk again um, and the person is at bed rest for at least four weeks oh that doesn't so sound good what at do all. you think happens then they die. Eighty percent of them would die, uh, because you know the biggest risk at the end of life. Probably eighty percent of the people die uh, from clotting. If you look at all of the patients uh, or the people in the end of life, most of them will die from clotting. Clotting too much is one of those things that can happen as you acquire that disorder as you get older. Inflammation is part of it. And clotting is a part of what kills us. Clot to the brain, clot to the heart, clot to the kidney. And if you're just lying leg. in bed for four weeks, the, uh, the possibility of clotting really increases. So a German, a German physician in the, I think, you know, early 40s, so this is, you know, during the war, uh, developed a method of putting a pin through the hip into the ball so what happens is let's let's just what you have is a ball and socket picture the the uh, the uh, femur which is the hip 
bone that goes down to the knee. That whole knee to hip bone is called the femur and it becomes a ball at the end and there's a neck and then it attaches to the uh, trochanter part of the bone and then it extends itself down to the knee. The break commonly occurs at the neck between the ball and the trochanter. And so what they've done is they put a plate on the trochanter, the outer side of the femur, and then they drive a, a nail or a nail or a pin up through the the stabilizing plate on the trochanter, through the neck, into the ball. And it will stabilize the ball, and it will hold it there good enough for the person to get early mobilization. And so people stopped dying 80% of the time. It dropped it down to 20% once they started doing that. And so a hip pinning was one of the revolutionary, wonderful advances in healthcare developed by a physician in Germany during World War II. Well, it was very beneficial for America. Now, for, for all of us, but tell me now, is that still the method they use or is it quite different now? Now, that's still the method they use. It is. Isn't it now, something? It's an interesting. I mean, they've developed better pins. In better that, ways, but still, basically, that's the method that's used for repairing hips. So the, one of the bugaboos about hip pinning is that a percentage of those balls that get a pin driven through it because they've broken off at the neck will lose its blood supply. Now, where does the blood oh. supply come from? Well, it comes from the trochanter, but it also comes from uh, the pelvis. There's a blood vessel that feeds itself. So during all this fracturing, you know, and all of this dislocation and, and all of the trauma of a fractured hip, that blood supply sometimes is compromised. And so you can do the pinning perfectly, and then you end up with a dead ball, and it will atrophy over the next six months until you have so bad arthritis Nothing. that you can't function. And so with certain kinds of fractures, they will just go ahead and put in a new ball and then drive it into the trochanter of the femur. Uh, the other thing that they can do is just a total hip where they will cut it off at the level of the trochanter, put in a new ball that fits, but it's smaller ball, that fits a plastic socket that you push into where the socket was. So those that's a total hip. There's a partial total hip. There is a pinning, and then there's a total hip. And those things all depend on where the fracture is, what's your likelihood of losing your blood supply, and you know what is your age, and what was the situation of your fracture. And you have to l depend on the orthopedic surgeon to do that right. Uh, they say that you know if you, you, you can automatically go to the more extensive surgery and you make more money and everybody wants it, but, and you end up with a better result happier patient, you don't have to wait six months to find out if arthritis is going to ensue or not. And so there's been a tendency to go in that route. But for the most part, uh, we see that, um, that uh, pinnings occur uh, most of the time. It can solve the problem with the least amount of surgery, and it works well. And one of the reasons, uh, one other thing I wanted to say about hip surgery that is interesting. You know, we look at knee surgery, you look at total uh, shoulders, you look at back surgery, and from one community to the next, and one region of the country to the next, there's tremendous variability. In one area, Montana, for example, everybody has a new shoulder, everybody has a new knee. 
in one area of uh, Nebraska, conservative medicine occurs, not very many per capita knees are done. In one area, you know, it depends. In one area in Texas, one town in Texas, there are very few uh, shoulders and backs and knees. And then the next town, there was everybody had a new hip, <laughs> new knee, new shoulder. I mean, it was... So what's the good or bad of that? Tell me. Uh, that <laughs> likely the places where they're doing the surgery all the time it is doing too much surgery. It, and that if you survey the amount of happiness and the amount of pain relief and the amount of success and the amount of functioning of the patients, it's the same, both communities. But it costs the United States and the health insurance industry and the, the, the rest of us who have to pay for insurance and, and or Medicare or whatever, a lot of money if you go to the, the do-everything place. Now, that said, right, there's a lot of variability in orthopedic surgery. That said, hip pinnings are equal across the country per capita. That this well, that's interesting. Because everybody agrees this is the thing to do. It's the best surgery. It's good surgery, and it helps people. And you do it even if they're demented. You do it even if they're, you know, really compromised. Uh, I mean, we have to say, I have to take that back. There's a time when you don't do anything and you just right. you, you make them comfortable. But for the most part, people who have mild or moderate dementia, you're still going to do it because, A, it makes them comfortable. B, they can move now. Otherwise, they're going to be so disabled from laying in bed for six weeks that they're never going to walk again. So people do the hip surgery. So the hip definitely and the others can be somewhat, they're not sure. The That's need right. for all of them. Right, okay. but the hip okay. surgery, yes. Is a definite. Fractured oh. hip, then you need it. Bob had a question. Do they ever do double hip surgeries at the same time? Will they replace them both? Right, they do those. Uh, I've had patients who say, well, if I'm going to do them, I want them both done, or both knees uh, at the same time because I'm compromised. I can't function, and what I'll be doing, I'll be doing now is if, I, if I'm going to overstress the good one, when I've got a bad one still, so let's go right to it. And if I'm going to have to be miserable, let's be double miserable for a short period of time, and then I'll be back to functioning. I, you know, I don't know that I hold with that. I, I, I lean on my orthopedic surgeon friends to help guide. My Let them decide what would one. be best for mm-hmm. you. Okay, we're going to take a break. If you have any questions, give us a call six nine two fourteen thirty. The Center for Disease Control recommends that all adults receive a new shingles vaccine called Shingrex. This two-shot series has proven to prevent shingles in 90% of those who receive the vaccine. It is recommended even if you have received the older Zostavax, as the protection against shingles is higher. Call your provider at the Avera Medical Group Brookings at 697-9500 to schedule your vaccine today. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. We're talking about possibly seeing some of these surgeries. You know, on YouTube, you can pick almost everything up. And I know when I was going in for either surgery, I said, please let me be out cold. I do not want to hear a hammer or a pounding of a saw. I want to be out cold. You know, these are the construction workers of the medical world. Yes, they really are. They have to be strong. They have to. Well, they do, you know. And it just, it's got to be a horrible sound to be in there. So I just, I didn't want to be awake. It's interesting. And, you know, you can, you can. If you can build 
a knee on a person who 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 had nothing before it's it's, it's amazing it's really thing. they do wonderful work i just don't want to witness it <laughs> yeah <laughs> or be part. no it's I wonderful know. fun yeah. to see it and um, mm -hmm. and uh, you know uh, the there is i mean i implied that there are places where they do too much surgery and um, i don't think that's here uh, and I don't, you know, if you look at how often we, m my patients or our patients at, are at the clinic went to back surgery, we do it, we, we do it um, when it's appropriate. But, uh, you know, the back surgery, a quick back surgery is not a, a good idea. You should delay that. You should try every other option before you go to surgery because sometimes it'll just make things worse. And so uh, there's also the time when people who've been so disabled and so pained and, and then they get the surgery and they go, holy Toledo. What a difference. I am yep. back to life again. So I think there's, there is a time and place for all these things, but it's got to be carefully done. You, it's a time and place thing. You've got to wait for the right indication. And I'll give you one other answer. If you do an MRI or CAT scan, of the backs of the three people in this room, you're going to find, ter you know, oh, my gosh, there's all this new bone for this weird stuff. There's this arthritis going on. Oh, my gosh. You should be miserable and terrible. And the answer is no, we're not. there's no correlation <laughs> with what that MRI looks like and, and what kind of pain person has. Okay. It's just very, there is a time and place when you see the, the person who has the pain you look at it and you can see the disc where it's pushing right exactly there. You remove that pushing and then the pain is relieved. There is that certain amount of knowledge, but you can sure, it's same thing with ears, nose, and throat, CAT scans of the sinuses. By golly, every time you can CAT scan everything, oh, there's an indication for surgery and you can bring people, you can make a lot of money that way and I don't think it's honest money. When you're the overdoing, is not always needed. That's right. right. You yeah. got to do the conservative things first. Well, we just have a couple of minutes, but going back to uh, our initial discussion of exercise and the importance of that, when you were talking about uh, being very careful and walking is so important, I've also there are so many programs in town that people should be aware of where you can have a good exercise class. Sometimes no charge at all. You know, just look around because. I've talked to many friends who said, I had no idea balance was that important. And they will just in the morning balance on one foot and then, you know, for a full th 60 seconds, then balance on the other. And when they started, they, they could barely do it. do it. And all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, but within a week, they have really fine balance. So balance is ba really important. Too. Balance. There's a hopping exercise. I've watched people who do the hopping exercises. And, okay, that strengthens the bone. But it also helps you... Uh, catch yourself when you slip. Right. Uh, you have a faster you reaction. Falls you can avoid the falls. You have better balance, or you have hopped. I guess you know. The, either way. At the at the uh, community life uh, center on Sixth Street, across from your son's law office, right next mm -hmm. to Gas and More, uh, they do uh, all churches. It doesn't matter whether you're uh, Jewish or Muslim or 
or in even church. Catholic, they let even you the in, Catholics. Right? Okay. I mean, okay. and people, you know, because I know you can also walk at the Catholic Church, whether you're a Methodist or whatever they it might be. They don't care. Doesn't matter. They just want you to be healthy. Stay but there's healthy. a good program. There's a good program Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. You know, at like ten thirty in the morning. And I don't believe there's a charge for it, is there? There's no charge no, for it. No. And so really, we encourage people. If to you think that you can't, you know, you don't have the ability, you don't have the money. It's not money. It's something that will make a difference in your life. And right now, I'm getting the word that we're out of seconds. time. We hope all of you have enjoyed our Prairie Doc radio program, and we'll listen again for Prairie Doc brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Thanks so much, Dr. Holm. Looking forward to next week. Looking forward to it tomorrow night. Orthopedic surgery, hip surgery. Thank you, Joan. Thank you, Bob. Stay healthy out there. Bye.